All right. Well, you are listening to another episode of Surviving Main Street, and I'm your host, Tammy Veneri. And today is episode number two, all about my co-host, Laura Gaetani. She's been a lot of places. She's done a lot of cool things. And if you've listened to episode one, then you know I talk about culture in that first episode. And I loved the idea of working with one of my family members. So I invited Laura to join me as my co-host. And here she is. Hello, hello. Well, thank you so much, Tammy. No one knows this yet, but we are cousins as well. That can be a whole episode in itself. You know all about me already from episode one. Laura is a few years younger than me. Take us all the way back to some of the things that you think are important timeline uh, reference points in your life that you ended up here. So this type of conversation, I think a lot of people don't think about it. I had a great upbringing. We were living in a small town and our family, Tammy talked about this, we're from a very big, loud Italian family. This is part of my mold too. It's my mom's side was all laborers, like seamstresses, carpenters, gardeners, crane operators, cleaners, all this working with their hands, super creative. My mom was super crafty. She stayed at home, worked while my father worked. He was an old school Italian police officer. So growing up in that dynamic, not that I grew up in fear of my father, but he was an authoritative figure and rightfully so. He was always working. He, he was a provider. He lost his father at a very young age at 17. And my grandmother had no pension left to her when my grandfather passed. My grandfather worked for Nabisco for years and years. He fought in the war. And my father, when his father passed, he had to pick up the pieces and, and work. He was a worker from day one. And that's kind of what he always brought to the table. He raised me and my sister, blue collar, get good grades, stay ahead of trouble, get into a good school, save your money. And on the flip side, my mom is more of a creative type, a little bit more of a dreamer. She was the one when I was older. When I was in high school, I was big into snowboarding. There was a trip to go to Switzerland. My mom was like, you need to go. Like she would work just for extra money so that I can do tennis lessons or I could do um, special art classes on Saturdays because growing up around her, like I said, she was super crafty. So I was super crafty. She was a seamstress as well. We were 80s babies, 90s babies. There was no social media. There was there was TV, but we didn't really spend time doing that stuff. I think that we were the last kids that played outside and weren't stuck in front of a computer and a TV and that's all we do now. But back then, that wasn't what it was about. I, I was crafting all the time. I was doing arts and crafts, painting. Saturdays, I would take enrichment classes, photography, pottery, all these things. But as I got older, I went to school. I got good grades. I worked right when I was 16 years old, right when I was old enough to drive, 15 and a half. I got a job at the library organizing the bookshelves. It was the worst job ever. It was so boring. I think I got paid like $5, $5.80. I wanted to go to art school. Being raised by a father who was he was a worker. He said, eh, I don't think so. So we met in the middle and I went to art education to be an art teacher. And now looking back, I realized you're too young to really know what you want to do. Like I'm 41 and I'm still figuring out what I want to do. And that's kind of the premise of this mindset work brought me back to almost to my childhood. Why am I this way? It's, it's, it's really about Figuring out what made you the way you are. And if there's certain things that you think are facts, like my father always told me, art, that's a hobby. It's not something that you're going to make money off of. So I grew up with these 
paradigms that parents instill in you. And not that it's right or wrong, and it's out of the, the goodness of their heart, because it's out of protection. Your parents want to make sure that you're set, and, and they want to see you do well and save money and do all these things that, for them, when they were younger, they struggled with. Now, I do think, even at 41, my father is still very much like, you have a good job, you should stay in your corporate job, you should never leave. You know, you have to protect yourself. And my father would be a perfect example because he's from a different mold. You think, okay, well, someday I'm going to do these great things. And that someday never really comes. And I'm very grateful for my job. But if I back up from three years ago, I was miserable. Something was always kind of nagging at me. And that's when I started this mindset work. What's interesting is all entrepreneurs are creative people. I think for every single creative and entrepreneur out there, how misunderstood we are. And the people that love us the most, they get scared for us. And in our minds, we're like, why don't you get it that I'm totally capable of creating something amazing? That person in your life doesn't understand why you're taking the long way around. And and definitely being an entrepreneur, being a creative and starting your own business without a doubt is taking the long way around because of course it's much easier to just go get a job. And I think most of our listeners would absolutely get that because it's just a fact of being a creative. We're misunderstood a lot of the time and sometimes perceived as somehow we don't understand what they're saying. Right. And also through this work, I'm learning a lot about myself where I'm a little bit of a people pleaser. I'm a little submissive, especially with certain authoritative figures. So when I have someone like that telling me this is a hobby, and now the COVID years, I take those years as an enlightenment for me. That's when it was a shift in, and we could, we could have several episodes on that, but there's been a very big shift during COVID. And even when I look back to who I was 10, 15 years ago, when I was doing all this, and I thought I have failed, right? I have been trying this fashion bikini thing. It's been over a a decade and I always come back to it. So (laughs) tell everyone about the bikini thing. So go. Bikini, my bikini baby. So this started, I went went to college graduated with our education. I got good grades. Everything was great. I couldn't get a job. I, I couldn't get a job. So I was bartending, waitressing. I ended up moving at that time to New Jersey. I was a lot younger. My mom had passed away. So it was a rough time for me. I was going out a lot. I was traveling. I was going to Miami, New York, Vegas, California, all these places, meeting all these people. I'm going to these parties, these places. So just going and being, you know, I was young. I was out having fun and I was seeing Really what I noticed, the, the, the common thread is no one ever wanted to look like anybody else. And I had appreciation for that. It was the atmosphere and it was this confidence in these people that I wish that I had. So I started this handmade bathing suit company. The guy I was dating at the time bought me a sewing machine. Had no idea how to sew. Like our grandmother sewed, my mother sewed, they both have passed. And that was part of it. Like I felt like I owed this to them to do this and continue it and use the creativity that this family has and do something great with it. So I taught myself how to sew. It was basic, straight stitch, but I was able to just figure out how to do it. We'd go on vacations. I'd make a bathing suit for myself. You'd see people come up and be like, oh my gosh, that's such a cool bathing suit. Where'd you get it? And I'd say, I made it. We would exchange information. This was like probably the beginning of Instagram when it first came out. There was no algorithm. Let me ask you something about that, the creation process. You just said, I didn't even know how to sew, but somehow you had it in your mind. What is it that makes us 100% sure that I'll figure it out and I'm going to do it? It sounds crazy. And this may be too too woo-woo for people. And I don't want to lose anyone, but thinking about it, I was my 
entire future self because no one taught me. First day I used the machine, I cried because I sewed on a, a piece of paper towel. Actually, I still have it in my little sewing tote, my very first stitch. And I'll always keep it because when I did that stitch, I'm like, I'm keeping this forever. And I, and I was a little bit too overconfident because when I launched the bikini line, I literally would use my bathing suit, look at the stitching, see how it was done. I would get work for me, work for other people. Oh, give me one of your bikinis and we'll figure out what color you want. And if you want beads, you want uh, chains, hoods on them. I had zippers. I had really cool kind of edgy stuff. I really wanted something different. It was very cool. And it was something that you didn't see at the store. You were making bikinis. Yep. And I actually, I went on this cruise. And that's when I picked up a lot of clients on that vacation. And it just became this whole thing that I was doing. So that was the beginning. I got my first like big job in the finance world. I was working at a hedge fund. And that also was a huge influence on me. A very big hedge fund. It was very intense place to work, but I learned so much. It was a lot of self-reflection. If you did something wrong, they would sit down with you and they would say, okay, this is how things should have worked and this is how it went. Where did the machine break? Where did the process break? I did well there. One manager I had, her name was Maylee, and she knew I was doing this stuff on the side. She thought it was super cool. She was like, why are you not putting this out there? Did you feel like this female boss that you had, was she your first true champion of your idea? As far as like a mentor, yes. Oh yeah. And and they hired out, they hired experts and they couldn't figure out how to do stuff. So that's, I took that model and I started looking for a consulting company that can help me launch a swimmer line. I didn't go to fashion school. I found somebody out of Brooklyn that actually specialized in swimmers specifically. So I hired her. I was buying her time and it was very expensive. <laughs> I had to pay by the hour, by the minute to, to work with her. So, but it was great because I had a product done. Like I came to her with my design and we had sessions. We had sessions. I would, I would say like once every couple of weeks, I'd go down there and I get to see her. Like everything was there. She had her own sewer. She had her own, she had sources for fabric. She had fit models, anything you needed. And I was able to see the process from beginning to end. She was a strict New York businesswoman. It was very much just a launch package. And she helped me. She had contacts for fabric and she would mail out the fabric samples and all those little things that when you're launching a, any type of fashion brand, like this is a full beginning to end process. And at the end of that process, I, <laughs> I spent all my savings, but it is what it is. Like I did get a fantastic product, but after that, that was it. I had no idea what to do with it after that. This is where having a lot of diverse life experience can impact your journey as a small business owner. And it's not because you can't figure it out as you go, but these are people who've had fine-tuned working machines for a long, long time. And when you have an opportunity to work in an environment like that, you take the good, the bad, and the ugly, but kind of in the back of your mind as a creator, you're taking notes all the time. You're taking notes all the time. So you were able to look at this company that you are working for, and maybe I can apply that to my own side hustle passion project that I'm involved in. And you applied it. You don't know what you don't know. No, you were the one person because you knew I was a creative. And, and I think even back in when I was younger, I knew quote unquote, someday I'll be doing what I want to do. But you were the one who always said you need a corporate experience. Important thing is 
to let go of the time and know that I'm in the right direction. Wanting you on the show, I know you're immersed in the nine to five, but you're also completely all in. I love the idea of having you on the show because not everyone is at that place where they can take the leap and leave that full-time job, but it doesn't diminish their passion that they're going to make this other thing happen. And having you on the show is like that element of representing all of those people who are in that same place where I have this idea and I'm chipping away at it, but I've got this nine to five. And there's a humility that you don't become disheartened with your nine to five because it's all, and here we go, mindset, isn't it, Laura? It's all mindset. It's daily work. I started this three years ago, right? And when I saw, when I signed on with my coach, her name is Julie Ciardi. She's amazing. Actually, someone at my current job started this work a year before me. She knew I was kind of like, eh, I don't really know if this is what I want to do anymore. She connected me to my coach and I started listening to her podcast. She was speaking my language. You have to explore. And this work has allowed me to open that box again because I had this swimwear thing for so long and I took breaks probably every three years, but it always would pop back up. Now it's, it's a sustainable fashion brand of really cool. Like I love graffiti. I love the 90s, I love the 80s. No more fast fashion. I'm trying to like kind of have more sustainability, go for the environment, that kind of vibe. So that's my new thing that I'm working on, right? That's my purpose. Being able to help someone else like me who feels like there's no hope and they have this new new idea, they don't know how to get it off their ground. If you know that that's going to bring you happiness and, and passion and that's something that you see yourself doing, you need to just take one step. Just take one step. And that's what I learned through this work is taking that one step, right, with this podcast, taking that one step. It's, it's not about knowing all the answers because once you take that one step and you're, you're living out your purpose, and this may be too woo-woo again for some people, but we're all made up of energy, no matter how you look at it. There's laws of attraction. There's laws of the universe. If you want something, you need to ask and you shall receive. That's just, it's just how it works. All you need to do is take one step and then you need to kind of be open. Once I opened up my eyes again to knowing that, I can be successful. The past three years, I've explored gardening because I love to garden. I've explored essential oils. I've explored network marketing. I've explored wellness. I have a lot of friends who teach yoga and they know I'm a very good cook. I love to bake. I'm into vegan cooking and vegetarian cooking and, and farm to table. I started a little garden this summer. I was invited to be a chef at their wellness retreat. You have to just put yourself out there and really listen to your soul to figure out what it is. And this work opened up those avenues for me. You need to be responsible for your own actions. I had a great product, but I was not ready for that part of my life. I was not mentally prepared. And that's why it wasn't working for me. Like these things will stay with you forever and ever until you see it through. You were referring earlier that you weren't evolved enough and didn't have enough experience. And I talk about feasibility a lot. It's one of my favorite things because it's everything that you just said about not being ready and going through the idea of feasibility process or the financial feasibility. What does that really mean? So how far can it go? We start with this big idea and then you start asking the other questions to get to how do we implement? It's not always a fun process, but when you say things like not ready or too overconfident, this is why feasibility work is so important. You're like, oh, I don't have all the shit I need right now to even get close. No, but the process will give you a plan now. And like you said, it's about just take a step, just take that one step is what you just said. So I have a lot of PTSD from, from the whole thing. I was just, I was a little broken. So I put all my eggs in that one basket. 
And that's painful for me to see because you just said it. Trial and error is the most expensive way to learn. Is it a great way to learn? Well, yeah, but why is it a great way to learn? Because it's inexpensive and it could put you out of business. It's going to cost you something. If it's not costing you money, it's costing you time and time is money. So no matter how you look at it, trial and error is the most expensive way to learn. So ask as many questions as you can that are specific to what you're about to spend money on and what you're about to do. You can lose your whole nest egg. And all you had to do was ask questions. And part of that too is me not speaking up. I was younger then. I didn't think about that kind of stuff. Like, are we going to be a good fit? It says more about the person that you were dealing with than it says about you, I think. Because I think every young entrepreneur of course is green. You've never done it before. How would you know? Yeah, like it was fun and it was an experience. I was invited to Fashion Week in Miami. Like I'm all around Minneapolis to stores talking to my coach about it. And she's like, you basically dismissed it because you had a bad experience. Mm -hmm. You told yourself did everything right. But you're not always doing everything you think you are. Right. So it was kind of a reality check. That doesn't mean that it's the end all be all. The bikinis? No. Is it a sustainable clothing brand? Maybe. Is it essential oil? oils, maybe is it me being a chef, whatever it is, I'm exploring these side hustles because to be using my hands and making stuff and creating beautiful things and things that taste good and just just aesthetically pleasing things. That's what I want to do. And this work has also filtered into my family life, my my relationship with my boyfriend with my father. Once you realize that like everyone is responsible for their own things. When you say this work, you talk a lot about this is something that you have to practice every day. Is it physically, literally removing yourself and meditating? Is it doing yoga? Is it lighting a candle? Or is it a mantra when you wake up in the morning? That's what I started with because you hear these people, they're very peaceful. They meditate. That's all vehicles to get there for sure. If I go for a walk in the morning... I start to get good downloads, good intuitive hits on my goals, right? But really what it is, like, you need to know where you're going first. You need to have a vision. What's your dream? What do you want to do? I drafted my vision five years ago, and that was to have multiple streams of income and things I enjoy so that I can be my own boss and have more time and freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Really, that's it, right? I can guarantee that 90% of people out there feel like there's something missing. What would be your number one piece of advice for someone who is raising their hand right now saying, I feel that way? I would want them to have a consult with me. There's a little exercise that we can use if people are blocked. Some people know they're missing something. They don't know what it is. You need to kind of pull it out of people. And this is basically speaking like you're a child, right? Like, what's the quote? Pablo Picasso. He basically said, I'm probably butchering it right now, but he said the, the goal in life is to figure out how to be a child as an adult and how to find that inner child. And that's basically what this is. What makes you tick? What makes you happy? What is your light? What do you Mm. want? What is your vision? That's bittersweet. Almost like you're saying to, to pull out that little kid who you shoved all the way down inside you somewhere and remember what those joys were. Because that's when life was good, right? Because there's innocence and happiness and just good feelings, good vibrations, good energy there. And as we get older and we embark on adulting, if my purpose is to provide life to people who need it, then you fire. I want to give them the opportunity to think beyond opening that Pandora's box. As an adult, people just don't dream anymore. I have these women that are in this group coaching that I'm part of. Women in there that are 60, 70 years old doing their thing. And I think it's beautiful. It's never too late. Your noisy roommate, as my, my coach calls it, it's like your inner negative voice. And that's you talking to yourself because of these old paradigms. 
it takes a lot to deal with that inner voice. You have to get out of that. You have to talk to yourself in a good way. And this is probably going to come up in all of the interview episodes, this mindset and the negative and the positive and that voice that we hear. And you have to get to a certain place where you're actually able to turn off that voice and you're practicing something like mindset that helps you kind of center yourself at the end of the day or at the end of the week and have some kind of normalcy and balance in your life. You need something in your toolbox that's going to help you get beyond that. Money can't buy, buy you that balance that you need to be a functional human being outside of your business. Is there anything on the mindset that you wish that you had a chance to talk about today and we didn't, Um, I missed it? This is what I'll warn people is once you start this, you can't unstart it. So now it's like, it never ends. Yep, 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 yep. uh, Something like that would be addicting because once you get a little taste of, I have something new that can help me get through from A to B in a different way. And once you have a taste of that, so. Sometimes it takes longer for other people to click, but it, it like, I'm telling you after starting this kind of inner work and inner reflection, this daily mindset management, as I call it, you have to kind of like have your own back and trust yourself. Yeah, this stuff is little of fun. I, I'm very excited. I'm, really <laughs> I'm, I'm super <laughs> duper excited. We've got great guests lined up, really interesting backgrounds, all in business and it's all relevant. And if you're a small business owner and you feel like you've got some history and pearls of wisdom to share, there is a form on our website where you can request to actually be a guest on the podcast. It is all about paying it forward, help you get through another day, through the muck. So we will leave you with this quote from Pablo Picasso. Every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up. Good question. Go and fly, little birdies. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in and learning a little bit more about why we're here to help you. And it's going to be great. Follow us and subscribe, and you'll know exactly when the next episodes are coming out. We're also on social media. So check out all the social media platforms at Surviving Main Street. All right, Laura, until the next podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Until the next time. Until the next time. 